morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 203, and I am thrilled to have a, a Northwest Iowa guy, a, a guy that knows what it's like to grow up in the frozen tundra of Northwest Iowa, just south of Spencer, uh, Casey Crager, the girls' basketball coach at Sioux Central High School. Uh, really excited to have Coach Crager on here in just a couple of minutes, but... Before we talk to Coach Crager, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located here in Omaha at 144th and Maple. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, and you're in the Omaha area, give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a knock on the door, a, a telephone call, whatever you need to do. Check out their website, com, and make an appointment. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you are listening, Spotify, iTunes, wherever this thing ends up, uh, download, rate, review, give us five stars. If you do that, people hear about it when they type in coaching basketball podcasts. We jump up in the rankings and people know about it, and, and we just get to help out more people, hopefully, there. So please be sure to do that. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com and Go check out a penandanapkin.com. It's a coaching website. It's a good one. I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one because I'm the one that made it. So go check that out, a penandanapkin.com. It is a Sunday morning. It's a little rainy. It's a little kind of gross. It's that gross wintry weather without the snow. And I am here over the phone, of course, with Casey Crager, girls basketball coach at Sioux Central High School. Uh, coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Marty. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun here. Um, really, you know, like, like I said, anytime you can get a Northwest Iowa brethren on here, even if they're out of the four, you know, if they're not inside the four corners of Northwest Iowa, it's still forgivable. You're over in that Clay County area. You know, you're kind of like a, a, a cousin of, of, of it all, but, uh, no, thrilled to have you on here, coach. And, uh, season's off to a great start. Yeah, the season's going really well. It's it's hard to believe how fast it's going already, and and I can't believe that Christmas is already you know less than ten days away. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, things are going great. We like where we're at so far, and and the girls are really enjoying the season so far, and and looking forward to what's ahead. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, let's dive in here, Coach. Uh, you know, for for we'll kind of start this the way we usually start our pods. Uh, for for folks that don't know a whole lot about you personally. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, your basketball journey, and, and how you ended up back at your alma mater at uh, Sioux Central. Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in northwest Iowa, like you said, in Peterson, um, in Clay County, just south of Spencer, and, and grew up on a farm and, and graduated from Sioux Central uh, back in 1997. Uh, following graduation, um, had an opportunity to go to Morningside uh, College in Sioux City uh, and play basketball. And, and so I was on the team there for a year. I redshirted my first year there. And then uh, that's when the summer of, uh, after my freshman year, I found my future wife, um, who I'm still married to today, Nikki, of uh, 24 years. Um, and so after that, then uh, I ended up going to Buena Vista University um, and graduated away, uh, graduated from Buena Vista in, in uh, 2003. So. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, spent a little time with UPS uh, in the package delivery industry and, and uh, worked for there for 10 years. Oh, wow. And then af- after that, I got uh, my first teaching job. I decided I, I should probably spend some more time with kids and, and uh, get into teaching and coaching. And, 
And so that's what my college degree was for. So I went to, uh, got, got my first job with Alta Aurelia, mm-hmm. uh, in Buena Vista County. And then an opening opened at, uh, Sioux Central and, and I've been there ever since. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is my ninth year at Sioux Central and my fifth year coaching girls basketball. Uh, did you get your original, uh, college degree in, in teaching and coaching? I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so you weren't, uh, you didn't go back to school to, to, to do something different. Like you were tired of the business world and wanted to do something different. I mean, you were, no. but you didn't go back to school to do it. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. Started out as a business major. And then my, uh, sophomore year, I thought, well, maybe I should just get business education to go with it. Uh-huh. So I always had my teaching degree, uh-huh. um, and knew that I'd probably fall back on it and use it someday. What, what was kind of the driving force in that Casey? Well, I loved UPS and I loved working for UPS, but uh, the hours became very demanding. And as we started to have kids, um, I knew that I wanted to spend more time with family, kids, and, and be involved in, uh, you know, ac- activities and extracurricular activities and things of such. So uh, the hours of UPS, well, the money looked great, the hours <laughs> not so much. Uh, and so that's what uh, that's what steered me into uh, teaching and coaching. Come on, we know all that big bucks and public school education <laughs> more than make up for that, won't it? Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, you, you're uh, you're back at your alma mater. Uh, you know, coming kind of full circle for you, and uh, you know, you've 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 took the reins of a of a good program and made it steadily a little bit better every year that you've gone on. Um, and and you know, also doing the softball thing. And we'll get into the softball stuff here in just a little bit. Um, but do, do you feel like? Being at home, and I'm using air quotes at home, uh, back at your at your alma mater, uh, how how has that maybe made the job easier in some ways? But in, in some ways, has it been a little bit more difficult? I mean, how how has that kind of played out for you? Yeah, I think you know, I think you're just more familiar with faces, people, surroundings. Um, even the administration and whatnot, uh, I think, I think that makes it all easier. Um, the way it makes it harder probably is, is higher expectations because people do know past, uh, they know history. They, they, you know, there's just different things that they come to expect then with, with a local kid, um, because they knew they do know, know stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas maybe they would if it was somebody, uh, from the outside. So, um, I think it's good and bad both, um, mm-hmm. but happy, happy with where I'm at and, and, uh, yeah, excited for what's to come too. Does, does it make it a little bit easier? Like if you want to do a little fundraising for your program, Hey, Mr. Mr. Jones, you know, we've known you, you've known me since I was knee high to a corn stock and all that <laughs> other kind of stuff. I was wondering if you'd be willing to support the program. I, I imagine in some ways that part of it makes it easier that you have those lifelong connections with people that, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to reach out to the community for support in, in, in that regard. Is, is that, is that part of it? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, we have great support, uh, great support from all of our communities, uh, from all the people and, and, uh, not a lot to do in our small towns, you know, so people generally look to contribute and help out and come out and support and, and attend games and activities and stuff for the kids. You know, it's something that we, we look forward to on Tuesdays and Friday nights. Yeah. Um, you are also the softball coach. And, and you're kind of a dying breed here. You're you're a, a multiple uh, head coach, or you're, you're a head coach in multiple sports there. there my, my English ain't no good uh, this, <laughs> this Sunday morning here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, uh, 
you're, you're doing uh, two different programs at the same time and, and they're opposite of, of one another on the, the school calendar. But, uh, you know, you're, you're, you've got vested interests and you're trying to build two programs at the same time. What's, what's kind of the, the process in that? How has that worked out for you? Well, I'd like to go back to your comment. You said Diane Breed, and it's probably for a reason. I, I suppose I'm just not smart enough to get out of one <laughs> or the other one. <laughs> but uh, the two sports are very, very demanding, uh, as you know. Uh, they, they they do overlap a little bit, but but the competitive seasons don't overlap. Yeah. Uh, but it becomes a lot to manage. Uh, and in our s- small school, I think what makes it good and maybe sometimes bad, uh, is that I'm working with the same kids, yeah. uh, and, and the same kids have me for a coach in different sports. But, uh, I guess I've always prided myself on trying to be fair, honest, you know, and, uh, just being real and authentic with the kids. Um, and I think you have to be that way, uh, especially when you're in charge of youth today and, and, uh, trying to guide them and mold them and, and make good role models out of them. Um, but, uh, it, it's very demanding, but at the same time, it's very, very rewarding to, uh, to be able to be around the kids that much and, uh, also to compete with them and, and, uh, hopefully create lifelong, you know, uh, memories and stuff for them. Is, is there like, is there times in the winter when you're coaching basketball, uh, but you're like, Hey, you know, Mary's your pitcher. Hey, are, are you are you maybe a couple of times a week working on that rise ball and, and things like that? And then in the summer, are you like, hey, you know, Mary, are you getting in some some jump shots uh, while we're doing that? I mean, how do you how do you balance those responsibilities out? I mean, kind of describe to us your your structure of your programs and, and how you're able to meld the two. And obviously, you just can't show up on May 1st for softball and be competitive. And we, you know, obviously, we know you can't show up on November 8th and be competitive for basketball. So, so how do you manage that crossover between, like you said, the competitive seasons are polar opposite of each other, but a lot of the development stuff crosses over with one another? Yeah, you're exactly right with that. Um, I just have them conversations with the kids, you know, in, in the hallways uh, as I'm teaching and, and uh, during the school days to, to kind of check in on them, to make sure that they know that I care, to make sure that, I, uh, that I'm concerned with their development and what's going on with them. Um, as far as the preseason stuff, uh, yeah, we will start. We'll get softball ramped up in January and we'll start pitching and and I'm fortunate to have two really good assistant coaches with me for softball um, that kind of take on more of the load as mm-hmm. I'm finishing up the basketball season. So yeah. I think we, we, we complement each other really well with that. Um, and so that takes a little bit of the burden off of me. And then like in the summertime, obviously the games are at night for softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, we have player development stuff and we do all that stuff in the morning, uh, usually three days a week. Uh, in the summer and and uh yes it's, it's good it's it it's it's no different than anybody else it's time management it's just balancing and, and uh trying to put in as much time as i can to to make the programs as good as they can be mm-hmm. uh yeah that was going to be my next question like you know uh do you do you have some trusted people and uh you know how about how about the youth part of it i i'm, I'm assuming you've you've got your youth programs going in 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 both programs and and how do you manage that as well yeah, uh, I'm not as involved as I probably should be in youth. You know, we have a couple camps, uh, but we have good community members that step in and really help uh, with the youth programs. And and seems like they're starting younger and younger all the time. I know, uh, but I th- I, th- I think that's a special time for those parents to spend with their kids. 
um, teaching them the skills and, and helping out and, and, you know, donating back to the community in that way. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm not probably as involved as I should be in them lower youth, uh, uh, ages, but, um, it seemed like, you know, the people that are, that are doing it are doing a nice job with it. Mm -hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So, you know, Coach, let's get into your current season here. Um, and, and talk about your, your current edition of, you guys are the, the, you're the rebels, right? We are the rebels. The rebels. That's right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. A little, a little bit more traditional than Sheldon or abs. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, you're, you're off to a good start. Uh, you've played a, a tough schedule. Uh, you know, you, you were able to knock off, uh, Esterville Lincoln Central and and I believe they won the state championship in one of the classes last year. Uh, correct? Am I wrong with that? Or was that two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Two they years did. ago. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. but but nonetheless, a very good program there. And uh, you, you lost to Newell Fonda uh, early on in the season in a very competitive game. Uh, you know what has been? Uh, what what do you believe are going to be the benefits of playing? two or three really, really good teams early on in your schedule and kind of collecting some scars early on? Yeah, well, we knew looking at the schedule that those uh, that week was going to be maybe one of our toughest weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really gave us an idea to see where we were at and then also things that, you know, we were maybe doing well and, and some of the other things that we needed to, to clean up and improve on. So um, uh, that Astorville win was a really, really good win for us. Um, they've got a great team, and, and I would look for them to be a state contender uh, mm-hmm. this year again as well. And then the traditional Newell Fonda, and they and they do what they do to you. Um, I, I thought we had a chance to maybe get them this year, and, and they got us up-tempoed like they do everyone else, and we turned it over too many times, and and so, but that was okay. It's things to learn from and, and experiences that should make us better and make us more battle tested uh, once we get into the second half of the season. Yeah. How how did you sell that to your kids? I mean, what were because because we've done the we've done this we've run a heck of a, a gauntlet in in our preseason um, or not preseason but our early season if you include our jamboree. Uh, you know, we've played six games and and five of them have been against ranked teams and and so it's it's just been a heck of a gauntlet for our team. And, and we've just, we've just been saying to our kids, Hey, this is going to make us better. We we're we're learning how to do these things against great competition. It's going to pay off for us. So forth and so on, you know, in our, in our game yesterday, uh, it was a tough game against another ranked team. Uh, we were fortunate to come out with the win and I, I kept telling them, Hey, our schedule is going to pay off in these last few minutes of the game. 
And, and I feel like that really helped us that we had been in three or four really, really tough games and we were able to make plays at the end of it uh, just because we had been there before. And, and that's one of the selling points that we've used with our program. Uh, are, are you kind of in that, in that same mode there, coach? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I don't, I, I think you, you play for the end of the season. Obviously there's, there's goals along the way that you want. And, and we yeah. were hoping to maybe win the conference this year. And, and I don't see anybody that's probably going to beat Newell Fonda now, but uh, so then you move on, you, you use the experience, you move on. And, and I always try to think, uh, or I always try to keep things in perspective for the kids that, you know, it, it's one game in the grand scheme of things. Yep. Let's get better. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. And, and there's a lot of, worst things out there in our world today than losing a basketball game yeah yeah you know speaking of experience and and your team and i did a little i did a little gobound.com research on you you know and and you've got uh, you've got looks like you've got three senior starters with a couple of other kids that look like they played a lot last year so you've got a pretty experienced group uh there with you um you know what is what is that experience factor like for you as a coach right now uh you have a a tough early season loss and and again you're you're in the same conference with a with a you know a a traditional power in Newell Fonda and I'm guessing your kids were really geeked up for that game and it had to be a little bit of a letdown to to not get a chance to knock them off uh but but it you know you've you've recovered nicely And, and so does does that experience and that returning experience how does that help as you as you build and form this current team uh that you're trying to to move in a in the in the direction that you wanted to go to and like you said play for the end of the season yeah i think experience is huge uh and i think we're fortunate too we have 19 girls out um which is a really really good number for a 2a school when i'm hearing some of the other things that are going on you know, in other programs. So having that experience and, and having our seniors lead and, and show these younger kids what it takes to have success and all the hard work and everything that goes into it. Um, and then they're, they're great role models for the kids, for the younger kids as well. You know, they look up to them, they're teaching, they're helping, they're coaching them as well throughout practice. And, and I'm sure they have different conversations after, you know, games and whatnot too, but um, ex- experience is huge. Um, and uh, to be able to have, you know, four seniors on this team, three B starters, um, and then a mix of a uh, couple younger girls, uh, those those sophomores will soon be seniors as well. And, and hopefully, you know, the, the tradition or the or the cycle will continue where, where they'll be great seniors and, and we'll uh, be rolling this thing over and, and uh, hopefully continued success. Is that player-led attitude um, and and culture, which I think is awesome, Casey. I, I think that's that's music to my ears. As a as a, and we don't use the O word on a pen and a napkin. We use seasoned and experienced. Uh, but but that player led group uh, is that something that you've worked on and taught the kids, or is that more of an intrinsic thing that they've just kind of done on their own? And and how has that evolved for your team? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, we talk a lot in practice about a partnership. Um, where the kids have voice, the, the athletes have voice. Um, they're able to interject their thoughts and opinions, and, and we want to hear from them, and we want to know, you know, what they're feeling when they're on the court and practice and, and whatnot, you know, because if it's only led led by me, then it's not going to be as quality and as good as what it could be if, if, the, if the kids know that they have a voice and, 
and uh, whatnot. They're going to be a lot more uh, invested into the program. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the younger athletes will receive other athletes better than what they might a coach. And so cultural things, you know, I, I think it's good right now with the way things are running and, and having them girls be role models for the younger ones. What, what are maybe a lesson or two that you'd be willing to share? You said, you know, part of it's 50, you know, it's a 50, 50 proposition. It sounds like, uh, but what are some things that you've done as a coach to try and build on that player-led uh, concept that, that it sounds like you've got cooking pretty well? Well, just when we start practice, we do diff- different things when we start practice. We have the girls share out um, here over Christmas break. We're going to do a, a deal where we're going to have the kids do a little questionnaire and, and and uh, focus on something that they want to get better at and, and how we can maybe help them get better at or something that we can incorporate in practice to make things better and, and more beneficial to them. So, yeah, just, just being a listening ear to them, um, understanding where they're at. You know, they're 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, you know, pretty young that probably don't understand the game to the depth of the knowledge that a lot of us do. But mm-hmm. um, but they're the ones that are doing it, and, and we need to be concerned and care about their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about your schedule and you, you guys, uh, in your conference there, twin river conference or twin, it's twin lakes, twin lakes. I knew there was a twin in there somewhere. So, yep. <laughs> um, but, uh, you're, uh, you're still old school. Uh, you go round Robin and you've got a pretty large conference. Uh, so you don't, uh, the easy thing for you is you don't have to scout nearly as many teams in the regular season. Uh, but you're going to go through a round-robin schedule where you're going to play everybody in your conference home and away. So uh, how does that affect, and you talked about playing for the end of the season, and I would imagine you, you might coach that second round-robin through the conference a little bit differently than the first round-robin through the conference. There, uh, Have you, uh, you know, what's kind of your opinion or your philosophy on coaching in your conference? Uh, are, are you saving, maybe you've got an idea, hey, when we play, whomever, uh, Manson, Northwest Webster, um, you know, when we play them the first time, we're just going to do this, but we're going to kind of hide this for the second time that we might play them. I mean, is that part of your consideration? Is that, is that stuff that you've looked at? Yeah, I think those, those are definitely coaching angles that, that give you benefit as you play teams and play them a second time. It's maybe you don't show your, show your whole card, uh, hand of cards the first time that you play them and, and, or maybe you're working on different personnel and, and different things that you can do to improve or prep for even another team down the road. Um, and maybe, so maybe we're going to put in a different defense or a couple of little different set plays or something for somebody else. And, and, uh, so you're you're always trying to look for ways to improve and change and and uh, not just be predictable with that other team uh, to give them something to prep or prepare for too because uh, uh, in the Twin Lakes Conference uh, we've we've got pretty tenured coaches uh, mm-hmm. coaches that haven't changed very much and and as far as program wise everybody I think in our conference knows each uh, each of the programs fairly well so. Um, always looking for a competitive advantage and, and switching things up a little bit just to make them have to counter and, and think as you as you play them. Mm-hmm. You uh, you guys got really really close to the state tournament last year. Uh, you got all the way to your regional final again. Sorry to to to, to pick at any scabs here, Casey. Uh, but uh, you know you're, you're 32 minutes away from the state tournament. Uh, you played a really good Sibley Ocheden team. Uh, who's had some really good teams back 
when I was in high school and before. Um, they, they've got a pretty strong t- tradition in girls basketball there in the community. And, uh, you know, you fell short in that game, but you've, you've got a lot of kids back uh, from that team. Uh, what was the themes in the in the off season, in the summertime, in the mornings, uh, and and how is that you know coming just that close to getting to the state tournament, but still being a, a little bit away? Uh, how has that affected your program? Affected the growth of your program, and and affected this year's team? I mean, I, I'm sure it's got to be a real driving factor with your kids and and what they want to what they want to try to accomplish this year. Oh, for sure. And uh, that game against Sibley Ocheedon uh, was one of the biggest games that any of the girls have ever played in, you know. So um, obviously we, we fell short. We got into foul trouble on that um, and, and lost to a very good Sibley team who then went on to win a game, uh, at least one game down at State, maybe even two. Um, but uh, that that really just set the tone for the, for this season mm-hmm. as soon as we got beat last year. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we knew what we had coming back, uh, we had good pieces to work around. We just needed to add a couple of younger girls and a, and a couple other pieces. Um, so the the girls uh, it lit a fire for them. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 want to break that barrier now. They they know they got oh so close last year, and and so the goal is now to get to the state tournament with this team. And and uh, so it really gave them something to shoot for, uh, something to work hard for. Um, and, and put that goal right out there in front of them. So uh, motivating, me motivating the girls doesn't have to be so much. It's, it's more yeah. intrinsic with them, and, and uh, they're kind of taking the leadership role with it and going after it. Is, it. is it nice to have that little ace in the hole as a as a head coach to say, hey, you know, we're, we're not having a, a great practice today. Hey, you know, I know what you want to do. This is where you want to go. We're not going to get there if we practice this way. Remember, you know, remember Sibley, not quite remember the Alamo or remember Pearl Harbor or anything like that. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it is kind of have that. It's nice to have that in the back pocket of, of motivation, I, I would think, to a, to a degree. Oh, for sure. And, and as all coaches know, you know, when you're going through it, you got 40-some, 50 practices a year. Um, there's times where you have to recall on on some different events and and such as our loss, you know, to Sibley to to help motivate the girls and to refocus them and, and to know that they're going to have to probably work just a little bit harder if they want to break that barrier and get over that hump. So it's nice it's nice to have that in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But but the hope but the hope is this year. Okay, let's not have to use that for next year. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, let, let let's get over that hump. But we're going to use last year to get over that hump this year. That's right. Yep. Uh, Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, Casey, at this time, we are going to transition. Uh, we're going to jump into our John Wooden quote of the day here. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we're on two two oh three. So this is I don't know hundred and so we we did we did ni- ninety nine or one hundred Don Meyer quotes, and now we're on over a hundred John Wooden quotes here. So, uh, but uh, 
we take this from uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, and uh, uh, I just will read you the quote here and give you a, give you a second or two to think about it and, and see how, we, just your interpretation of it and give you a chance to comment on it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll roll from there. How's that sound? Okay, sounds great. All right, so from page 80 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Long before any championships were won at UCLA, I came to understand that losing is only temporary and not all-encompassing. You must simply study it, learn from it, and try not to lose the same way again. Then you must have the self-control to forget about the loss. Well, yeah, I think uh, obviously John Wooden... uh, I once heard that he never ever scouted any other opponents. Um, he he was only ever focused on his team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as you look at your losses, they are temporary. Yeah. Um, you, we, we, we learn from our mistakes. Uh, if we study and analyze our team and figure out our weaknesses on how somebody would maybe beat us, uh, then those weaknesses can turn into our strengths. Um, and the losses and the stuff will take care of them. They'll be in the past and we can move on and, uh, move on to the winning ways and, and, uh, understanding our team and our strengths and everything, uh, that makes us better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fine balance. I, you know, I I really again the more seasoned and experienced I get at things, uh, the adults hold on to the losses a lot longer than the players do. Uh, whether you're the coach or you're the parent or whatever it may be, uh, the the kids have moved on. Usually they move on pretty quickly from the winning and the losing of it, and I think that's something that we as adults have to keep in mind as we form our teams that we, you know. They've moved on usually, and you can only. I, I think you maybe have one game a year that you can really browbeat your team, so to speak, and really get after them after a disappointing loss. And a lot of times, or the only time you should really do that is if you don't see the effort. If you don't see the mental effort or the physical effort, then you get the chance to do that. If you have to do that multiple times during a season, you're probably in trouble anyway. Um, so. I, I think that's part of that process as well. What do you think, Casey? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head with it. The, the kids are very, very quick to forget, um, and, and parents and coaches uh, hang on to it, replay the game, hash it over, could have done this, should have done that, uh, way more than what the kids ever do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, even after a tough loss, um, I, I never try to – beat up the kids over it or, or call anybody out or anything like that. But one of the last things I remind them before they leave the locker room, I, I, you're, you're just a kid. Now get out there and cheer on the boys and, and help them get a victory tonight too, you know, and, and go enjoy being with your, your, your peers and your classmates and, and your uh, teammates in the stands and enjoy being a high school kid, you know, mm-hmm. because life is more, more than just winning and losing that game. Yep. So yep. yep. We, we went through that uh, this, this weekend. Uh, we had our winter winter formal dance on Friday night, and that's a really important deal to a lot of a lot of the kids, you know, uh, especially when you're when you're coaching girls. And so uh, we kind of had a little social contract with them. Okay, uh, we're going to practice Friday morning before school, so that after school you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want to do and and go out. And so 
kind of the way we put it was, uh, we're going to come in, we're going to practice from 6 to 7.30. When you leave the gym at 7.31, your only focus is the winter formal and having a great time and yeah. doing doing everything with that. And I want you to, to just have a blast. Um, make wise decisions, of course, but have a blast. And But then we, like I said, we had a really, really tough opponent, tough game yesterday. I said, when you leave your house at 10 o'clock to, uh, Saturday morning, the winter formal is over, and we've got to get refocused on our opponent for, for Saturday afternoon. And I was really, really impressed with my kids. We had a little bit of a lull at the beginning of our game yesterday, but uh, that's that's some of the ways that, that we've tried to work our way through those situations, and you've got to give them that those opportunities just like for us as adults right now you know we have spouses going to holiday parties for their businesses or things like that and we have those social outlets it can't be just all business all the time we've got to let those kids be kids don't you think casey Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, they need all those experiences and sometimes the best things are, uh, time away from the game or time away from us yeah. uh, for them to, for them to go and do some other things. So, uh, whenever, whenever you get in a match where you're, you're putting the, the kids in a position to choose between one or the other, we might not like the outcome, Yeah, you know? So I, th- it goes back to that partnership deal and we got to understand where they're at and the things that the, the social things that they need to, you know? So yeah. I think you, uh, I think you did, you, you handled that really well. Uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> i appreciate that uh, you know uh great kids to coach uh that's you know i've i've really enjoyed it. ever since i've gotten to my new job i can't emphasize enough how great the kids have been and the parents have been great and the administration has been great so um and and we competed like crazy our jv kids competed like crazy yesterday and and our varsity kids competed like crazy and that's all you can ask for so um so yeah, so uh, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, I'm going to record that, or obviously it's recorded. But if I have somebody complain about something later on in the season, I'm going I'm to replay it for somebody saying, "Look, I got this right. Give me some credit here." You know. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well, let's uh, let's jump into your basketball philosophy here, Coach. Um, I I was excited uh, when when you circled a couple of things on the on the survey here that I send out to most of the people that I talk to and you wanted to talk about baseline out of bounds plays which is something that uh, a lot of coaches you know don't don't talk about or whatever and, and that's fine uh, but it's something that we haven't covered a ton and I'm really excited to take a few minutes and talk about because I think this is an under uh, it's an understated part of the game, that special teams part of things, and uh, we talk a lot about culture. We talk about you know practice sets up, set up, and things like that. And, and you had that on your list as well. But I move this to the top of the list because um, it it is so very very important to your team's success. Um, if you can score three times on baseline out of bounds plays and prevent your opponent scoring three times, that's a twelve point swing in a game at least. And and so I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, what you have here. Uh, you know, so so talk to us a little bit about it. Your offensive philosophy, your defensive philosophy, how much you work on it, uh, what you do with it in practice, uh, all of those things. I'm going to kind of let you cook here, and when I interrupt, and I probably will, I'll try to do so as politely as I can, and 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 talk to us about your your out of bounds philosophy. Okay, uh, yeah. So we see it as scoring opportunities offensively, um, and like you said, you know, if you can get six or eight points off of that, uh, it really. 
uh, takes away some of the pressure of the half court offense, um, as you know. So um, we do we do some different things uh, depending on if the ball's on the right side or the left side because they do have some right-handed girls and left-handed girls as well on this team, um, and we don't always have the same girl take the ball out of bounds either. So okay. we're looking for different opportunities. We're looking for mismatches. Uh, we're looking for maybe who's got the hot hand and, and who we can run a set play for um, on a baseline out of bounds. Uh, so, so we try to, uh, we try to do that. We try to mix it up. And, and so far, uh, we've been pretty successful with it. Um, I don't have a true breakdown of the numbers of how many times we score on those, uh, out of bounds sets, but, um, as far as spending time in practice, um, probably, probably not too much more than what, uh, anybody else does, uh, a couple days a week, uh, we'll run through out of bounds sets. We'll make sure the know, we know the, or the kids know who they're, who they're to be screening and, and what their job is to do and, and who we're trying to get open. Um, and then I think it's really important too, to have multiple screens, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, making that defense consider if they're going to switch, uh, stay, or if we can have a screen-the-screener type of deal uh, action where we get the defense confused and, and try to get an easy one there as well. So um, kind of fortunate with our team and, and with our opponents. I've got tall guards. Uh, I've got some guards that can uh, really get to the hole and, and shoot at both. Um, so we just try to get them in a position uh, where we can create an ISO set um, out of an out of bounds play and, and give them a quick hit or two um, to get some easy points. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if my philosophy is too much more in depth than what you know some of the other coaches are, but uh, it seems like we have pretty good success on our on our uh, baseline out of bounds plays. Okay, so I got a list of about four or five questions I'm going to run at you here on out of bounds plays, Coach. So okay, all right, are you prepared, sir? Yep. Okay. All right. I hope so. <laughs> well, we're 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 not uh, solving any international crises here this morning, so uh, it, it, I think we're going to be okay. So, um, how, how many out of bounds plays? How many out of bounds plays will you probably have in by the time your postseason play rolls around? Um, eight. Uh, excuse me. Probably eight. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. How eight to ten? Yeah, eight, okay. eight to ten. All right. Uh, how do you implement them? Uh, what's your uh, What's your process um, in in the sense of do you start out five on zero and then go five on five, or you just hey we're going to set this up five on five, or we're going to run it, or uh, you know how do you how do you do that? Um, well, uh, I think some of the kids are visual learners. Um, so I do use a clipboard in practice. Uh, we will go five on zero. First, I'll draw the play out so everybody can see it, um, and know what their assignment is. Um, and so we'll run through that. We'll switch girls into different positions so that they learn all of the positions and know what they should be doing, you know, depending on if substitutes are in the game or whatnot. Uh, and then we'll add in the defense, um, so they so they have somebody physically to screen and, and their assignment to do, um, and then after that we'll add some wrinkles and see where we can you know have a competitive advantage moving the girls into maybe a different position or whatnot. Okay, how uh, what's kind of the and and I get it that every play is different, but uh, how long from implementation? to competition how long is it usually before you feel comfortable with running one of those sets in a game 
Um, I would say right away, honestly. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the two weeks before, you know, the season starts, you have your first game. Um, and a lot of my stuff is the same. So as we go back uh, of, of what we talked about earlier with having that experience, um, I haven't changed too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of these kids know these plays um, and, and know what we're looking for to get out of them. Um, so I feel really comfortable running all of them, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, right, right away. Yep. Uh, you stole one of my questions, but that's okay. Yep. It's all right, Casey. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you how much carryover you have, but obviously with an experienced team, you're going to have that. So um, do you use the same formation, uh, or do you have different sets, uh, uh, different formations, different setups uh, for the out-of-bounds plays? Or are you a guy that maybe has you know, two or three different formations, but it's a lot of the same concepts? Um, generally use all the same formations. Um, uh, just a couple of them. We have a little wrinkle that we do, uh, maybe putting three girls on the bottom instead of two, uh, just depending on what the defense is that we're going against. Um, but most of them same, same formations, um, but maybe a couple different plays out of a couple of those formations. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what about defending out of bounds plays? Well, traditionally, I've been a 2-3 guy to defend uh, out-of-bounds plays just so you don't have to maybe fight through as many screens or worry about uh, switching and screening. Um, but uh, we've, we've been mixing it up a little bit because I do have more length, more athleticism uh, on this team, uh, and that, that we're able to switch on some of those things and, and not get pinned maybe underneath the basket and give up a cheap one right there. So, um yeah, try to get our arms out. Try to be as big as we can. Try to try to eat up and take up space uh, and work from the work from the inside out, um, so we don't give up any easy ones. Okay. All right. Uh, how much scout time do you spend? Uh, you know, day before the game, getting ready to play Estherville Lincoln Central. Uh, do you kind of give your kids a script? Hey, I'm really thinking we're going to run, you know, three seven and Albuquerque. Uh, a lot tomorrow night based on what Esterville has, or is it just kind of you go by gut feel? Uh, a lot of that's gut feel, honestly, um, depending on their personnel and who's who's on the on the floor. Um, obviously, we, we do a scouting report for the kids. Um, mm-hmm. I do not put my out-of-bounds sets on what we will run. It's, it's more gut feel and, and time and score and, and what we have, maybe also who's in foul trouble for them and Mm-hmm. something that we could do to to maybe get another cheap one on them or something too so okay all right yep anything else on out of bounds please um i don't think so yeah i, I not like that what, I, not that i can think of okay yeah i like what you said about multiple screens um my friend andy Gerlez. um yeah, he just just run screen the screener. He, 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 there, 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 there's just uh, been a lot of conversations and and uh when when we're socializing and and there's a bunch of us that kind of hang out every once in a while he, and he gets so mad at a couple of our our boys coaches he just just run screen the screener we're gonna be fine you know so uh but uh that's good so a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, 
send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about your favorite drills. Um, another thing that you're willing to talk about here, you, I'm going to kind of leave this really open for you here, Casey, uh, whatever direction you want to go with it, uh, the, the floor is yours. Uh, tell us about some of your favorite drills and, and what you like to do. Um, five on five, one on one player development. Not really sure what you had in mind here with this one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just talk to us a little bit about your favorite drills. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of things out there, and with with technology and and all the videos and reels, I think we as coaches are are very fortunate to to be able to incorporate a whole bunch of new things and and keep it fresh and new for the kids. So, um, I'm always looking for different things that we can do. Uh, but as far as like like practice and drills, I, I love starting with ball handling. Mm-hmm. Uh, start the ever you know start practice every day with some some version of ball handling, whether we're going up and down the floor with the ball in our hands. Uh, whether we're doing stationary stuff with tennis balls um, or cones and, and dribbling that way, uh, I just think that's a good warm up. Okay, uh, let me I'm, let me yep. let me let me ask you right there. All right, this is this is what I call desert island uh, stuff here. All right, you're stuck okay. on a desert island. The basketball gods have decreed that you can only do one ball handling drill forever. Okay, there's there's only one out of <laughs> out of your whole list of ball handling drills. Which one's it, which one is it going to be? Um, oh, see, I stumped you here. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you stumped me. You <laughs> stumped me. Um, I would say probably, you know, having the kids work on the in-out dribble um, and incorporating a cone with it. So, you know, in-out, uh, behind the legs, or excuse me, between the legs, behind the back, and just getting getting their hand to be really loose with the ball and controlling the ball while they're doing it. Okay. Um, I think that's really, really important for kids to do. It doesn't matter if they can go up the court, uh, you know, straight with it, but it, at some point in time, they're going to have to change direction and be able to, you know, make a move on somebody else. So I think, I think just that stationary ball handling with with uh, the flexibility and the looseness of the wrist mm-hmm. uh, and, and them getting comfortable with the ball. If, if I had to go to just one ball handling drill, maybe, I don't know. Okay. All right. No, <laughs> Hey, that's all right. That's, uh, that's a good, I, I love doing cone work. We try to do some cone work every day. Sometimes it's for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's for five minutes, but we, we try to get that in. And I think, I, I think you're right that that's a, a great way to teach it. So um, what else you got? We're, let's kind of mix in. Uh, let's do this here, Casey. Let's let's mix in your favorite drills with kind of your practice. I'd be kind of started talking about your practice setup and how you start out with with some ball handling. So uh, let's just keep kind of combining those two topics together. Yeah, um, I like I like to do a lot of shooting in practice. Um, I like controlled shooting as well. So uh, we do this uh, three girl two ball shooting uh, where the partner is standing right beside the the shooter, and then we obviously have one rebounder out there with the two basketballs. But uh, that way the kids are getting a, a perfect handoff that's supposed to simulate the pass. Uh, but they, they can just uh, re- receive the basketball, keep their eyes on the rim the whole time, and, and just stand there and shoot stationary uh, sh- shots to develop that muscle memory and their shooting technique. Um, so we'll do that a couple days a week, and, and sometimes we do it with our pre-practice stuff as well. But uh, 
giving the kids an opportunity to shoot, you know, between 40 and 50 shots and try to get that done within 10 minutes, uh, I think is really, really important and, and has been beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, ki- the kids are shooting the basketball really well this year. So, um, I find it sometimes too, you know, not enough emphasis is put on passing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, yep. you know, you, you do a, you do a movement drill with, with shooting and passing. And, and a lot of times the kids don't get a good pass to be able to then step into their shot and shoot it, um, in, in rhythm, like, like they do in this other one that I like to do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, all right, we're, we're going to put that one on the desert Island list as well. That's your form shooting drill. All right. So uh, I'll, uh, I'm going to write all this down and, and I'll text it to you so you can, so you got it here. So, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, Casey Crager's desert Island, uh, practice, uh, practice drill list here. So, uh, what else you got? Um, other things, well, I, I love incorporating all the kids into things and, and competitive stuff and, uh, Grandview shooting drill, uh, that we do that I picked up from Grandview college that, uh, you're making 10 layups in a row and then we're going to 11 different spots making, you know, whatever number you want, um, eight, eight, eight makes from each spot and, and make it competitive and, and put something on the line for, for the losers if, if they don't win it. So um, getting all the kids involved, getting some excitement with it. Um, now we are passing, we're, we're catching, we're shooting, we're having a run after our rebound and, and following that shot. So I like that one early early on in practice um, mm-hmm. just to get them going and, and get them excited, you know, to, to compete and be at practice too. So Is that uh, Grandview men or women? That was a women's drill. Okay. Yep, that All was right. Grandview women that All I picked right. up from uh, when Kelly Terrell was down there. Okay. Uh, actually, Kelly Greenway now is her name. So. Okay. All right. I didn't know if that might be Coach Schaefer there. So uh, yep. Schaefer and I go back a ways too. So. Yep. Uh, I, I'm again seasoned and experienced, not the O word. So. <laughs> um, all right. What else you got, Casey? Um, I like Hawkeye layup drill. Um, I like the Hoiberg outlet layup drill, get more movement, get the girls up and down. Now we're, now we're going the full length of the court incorporating different things, um, and getting them all going and getting them active, uh, as we do that. And, and so usually that's kind of my progression. We start with ball handling, we'll do shooting and then we'll get the body and the blood flowing, um, with a full court drill. And then after that, we'll ramp it up even farther, um, Maybe like with a with a build up drill, two on one build up, or uh, five on three, uh, five girl weave back to three on two, um, getting them playing a little bit more uh, before we take our first uh, break as we get into practice. Okay, um, so a lot of fundamentals there, getting the blood flowing. Uh, what's the sec- uh, next segment of practice look like? Yeah, then we try to break it down um, into offense and defensive stuff. So whether we go. Uh, guards and post breakdown or whether we're going to work on defense and, and closeouts, uh, box out drills, different things like that. Um, try to break it down and give them a little bit more individualized attention, uh, use all the hoops. So we got all the girls busy and doing something. Nobody's standing and watching uh, through the middle part of practice. Um, and then after that, what we'll do is we'll come together as a whole team, uh, work on team stuff, whether it's, you know, five on five, half court offense, um, shell drill, defense, whatever it may be, but trying to put all the pieces together, maybe what the focus was for the individual stuff and incorporate that to, uh, the team aspect of it and how it plays into what we're trying to accomplish, uh, team wise. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, any, uh, what's kind of some of your, 
favorite ways to to end your practices. Um, you know, we try to, and and now that we're kind of in full game mode, uh, we haven't done as good a job of this the last week or so. And uh, but but we try to do a lot of shooting, leaving the practice just to. Uh, have a good feel of the ball in our hands. The kids seeing the ball go through the hoop a lot at the end of practice there. Um, again, the, the last week or so, we haven't done a very good job with that, and I've got to do a better job with my practice schedule there. But uh, you know, what are what are some ways that you, that you believe are a, a really positive way to end practices on a high note? Yeah, uh, I agree with you on the shooting because we do a lot of that to end practice. Um, we try to get a lot of our conditioning done through our drills and during practice and not not be the, the team that gets on the line and just runs at the end. Yeah. Um, so I like doing some late game sets. I like doing shooting, and I like uh, the kids to shoot a lot of free throws at the end of practice before they leave just to, like you said, see the ball going through the hole um, and to feel that and hopefully remember that and then bring it back the next day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, anything else on practice, favorite drills, uh, anything there that, that, uh, that you wanted to share with the listeners? Um, I don't think so, uh, so much. Uh, I guess one more shooting drill maybe, uh, that I, that I like to do, we call it New Mexico shooting. So we put, um, girls on each baseline and start with three girls in the center court or on the half court line. And basically it's a full court, uh, shooting drill. So we're just running, running towards the baseline, receiving the pass. Uh, we always remind our kids that are making the pass uh, to give that shooter confidence, you know, so we tell them, you know, tell them knock it down or, or make it or, you know, give them the confidence to shoot that shot. And, and after they pass that ball, then they're obviously running to the other end to receive their, uh, pass from that baseline uh, teammate um, and it's just continuous usually we do it for about eight to ten minutes uh, girls get good conditioning uh, game like shots out of it mm-hmm. we mix it up a little bit too so we'll do you know uh, just a jump shot or we'll do a pump fake uh, dribble drive attack off of it or a, you know a one dribble pull up too so uh, usually make it competitive for the kids too we have them keep track how many they make um and and so they we chart that stuff we write it down so they know how many and and then obviously their goals and and whatnot for the day or for the next day or whenever we do it again that's in the back of their mind that they're trying to trying to beat their goal from uh previous so mm-hmm. uh, kind of like that it, it incorporates all the girls uh, we, we play music as they're doing it kids are getting up and down they're getting lots of shots up getting conditioning and and uh so yeah i think it's a good one yeah awesome uh, let's wrap up with this, uh, coach, uh, let, let's talk a little player development and some of the things, like you said, uh, you're at a smaller school, you're sharing a lot of kids, you're during a lot of your player development time period. Uh, you're also coaching a lot of the kids in a different sport. Uh, so you've got to be ultra efficient. Uh, and, and obviously you're looking at it through, uh, a, a different lens where you're, uh, you know, you want to make sure that they're ready for the for the game that night in a different sport. So you're conscientious of that as well. So so how have you uh, done your player development here? Uh, what are some things that you've uh, emphasized? How do you how do you put together your what we call improvement season program there at Sioux Central? Yeah, uh, so we start with a questionnaire um, after the end of the season and then sit down and have conversations with all the girls of things that they would like to focus or improve on. 
Um, and then we try to tailor our summer towards uh, the things that they want to get better at and things that we think we need out of them going into the next season. So um, along with not only along with uh, the basketball stuff, the kids are busy doing the weightlifting. And, and I think that's been big for us as well because the girls have really bought into that. We've become stronger girls, which have made us better athletes. So um, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, kids have weights, uh, then they come to us and we do, like you said, the player development stuff where we break things down. We allow them to do a lot of shooting, dribbling, uh, working on that weekend, whatever it is. Um, and then we try to scrimmage, uh, uh, Mondays. We scrimmage on Mondays, uh, through the month of, through the month of June. So, uh, we're able to see the kids progress, uh, and focus on the things that, uh, we've made a focus area for them. Uh, to see uh, how they're developing and, and what they're doing and how it's fitting into the scheme and everything else. So, mm-hmm. is, is that scrimmage in your own gym? Or are you are you scrimmaging somebody else locally there? Yeah, we scrimmage somebody else. So we've we've had a partnership uh, lately with Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will scrimmage with Spencer, and, and we've had a few other schools uh, in the past too. That uh, South of Bryan and. Um, I can't remember the other one right now, but um, so that's been good for us. Uh, we're able to, uh, you know, stop them scrimmages, uh, slow, slow them down, teach and coach throughout, you know, and, and use it as development as well, uh, teaching points uh, rather than just fast food basketball and the kids going up and down and, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. 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 Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Let's, uh, let's call it a wrap there, Coach Krager. Uh, great conversation here this morning. Uh, really have enjoyed things. Um, uh, if, if folks want to know more about your program, how can they find that out? Well, I guess they could go to the Sioux Central website uh, and they can they can look there. Otherwise, they can just come to Sioux Central and, <laughs> and go to a game on Tuesday and Friday night. So uh, uh, <laughs> Halfway between Storm Lake and uh, Spencer as the crow flies, folks. So. That's correct. <laughs> well, great, great, great stuff, Coach. Uh, really appreciate your time. Hope you, I hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin podcast. I did. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and, and uh, you do a lot of great things with this. Uh, there's a ton of information and knowledge out there with all the coaches and all the years of experience, so uh, my t- my time was honored. I, I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate you. Uh, it, was, it was terrific talking with you here this morning, and, and uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take it home here. Uh, again, Casey Krager, uh, girls basketball coach at Sioux Central High School, uh, just south of Spencer, Iowa. Uh, want to thank him for his time. We of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Again, if you're any, if you are in need of any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call. If you are in the Omaha area, at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review. Again, if you're on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, or wherever it may be, go check it out on at there and, and, and give us a five-star review. Write something nice up. Say nice things if you could. If you don't want to say nice things about me, say nice things about Coach Krager or other people that have been on here. So, uh, But but it, but it helps out. Definitely does. So uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And, of course, check out a penandanapkin.com. Good coaching website. I like it. Anyway, that's just me. So, uh, again, great conversation. Episode number 203, Casey Krager, girls basketball coach at Sioux Central High School. Off to a great start this year. Keep an eye on them as the season progresses. They got a chance to make a really, really good run this season. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.